but I've been getting into yoga recently, but I've actually been really enjoying it. But what I didn't anticipate is like the real yogis that like breathe so deeply and you're like, are you having an orgasm? Because I don't know what's how ha- it's making me you're uncomfortable. Like, well, that or like show me what you're doing so I can see <laughs> yeah, what I do. I like if you're having orgasms at yoga, like teach me, please. Like they're in some other state of euphoria, and I'm twisting my fucking body into like yeah, a you're pretzel. Like falling over sideways. I, literally, I'm falling over, and this person is like having some spiritual release. I need to take yoga more often. <laughs> Today's episode is about our experiences with therapy and um, all the things that got us to that point of realizing that we needed therapy or we needed help. And you'll hear my whole life story, my deep, dark secrets. Yeah. And and how, you know, hopefully you guys can relate to some of the things we're talking about. And, and we hope that going to therapy is not scary and it's not intimidating and it's um, something that everybody needs at some point in their life, we think, and how it helped us. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Oh My God Same podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Actually, Erin, you welcome back because you've been gone for so long. Oh my God, I know. I really actually don't know where I am right now. I mean, I know I'm here, but I could be anywhere in Southeast Asia and I'd believe you. It's been a little chaotic the yes, last few Aaron weeks. Yes, Erin has been um, a jet setter for the last three weeks, and we're glad to have her back in New York City in my apartment. Mm-hmm. She's sort of here. <laughs> I am. I'm here in um, physical space. <laughs> a little foggy. Um, but yeah, no, I'm like fresh, freshly jet lagged. And I've taken these trips for years and I'm telling you, I don't know if it's my age, which actually makes me feel a little worse about the whole thing, but I am definitely more jet lagged than I usually am. And I want to just, I would love to say versus age, it's that I like have had a really chaotic summer and I went on this trip like in the midst of my chaos and then, um, and I've come back and my body is punishing me, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, So I have like a little bit of my like sexy voice. Oh, I yeah, I I actually love when I lose my voice because yeah. I'm like, ooh, I'm raspy. I'm... So yeah, like, did you ever watch The Hills? Uh, of course, yes. or like Laguna Beach. Yes. So when that show was really really popular, I was like graduating college or um, like just out of college and living here for the first like in Manhattan for the first time. And um, when I drink too much, the next morning I totally have like the raspy like you were drunk as a skunk last night voice <laughs> and my friends always called it my Kristen Cavallari voice oh because yeah. you know how she's like super monotone yes. and like a little raspy or maybe <laughs> she was like that once in an episode I don't know but like I don't remember her having a raspy voice but she definitely yeah she always had an attitude it gives you, it gives, <laughs> I just sound like a bitch when I'm hungover. I'm not even hungover. I think it's badass. I well, guess. you know what? Let's, let's get into it. What's been going on? We have not really caught up. I know. Properly. It's been like three weeks. 
don't leave me again. I know. Well, actually, I am about to. <laughs> Shit. But not that long. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've been in a real dry spell with, you know, men and dating and all that and whatever. So I'm like back on the dumbass apps and going on dates and whatnot. But um, so this was maybe like three weeks ago. I was heading home from work. I was on my block. And I was like total bag lady, like carrying all the shit. I had just like picked up two bottles of wine and my sweet green salad. And oh, that's I like was, a Saturday night for me. Yeah. I was like hot and humid. I just, I was not looking cute. So it was kind of dark out. So I was walking on my, on my street. It was almost to my apartment and there was a guy coming towards me and my heart like stopped for a second. I was like, oh my God, I, <laughs> that is whatever, insert his name. I dated him um, like two and a half years ago for uh, maybe like four months. Like this is when I first moved to New York. Okay. I don't know this person. You don't? No. Um. So I, but it didn't like. Did you know? Of, does he live up here? And you knew that? No. Okay. Not at all. So I had a moment. So a million things ran through my mind in the course of like literally one point five seconds. Oh my god! As my we were like crossing each other, he didn't see me at all. Okay. Um. So he had his. I don't know. Maybe his headphones in or something. Right. But I was like, oh my god, that's him. But then I was like, but this makes no sense. He like. When I dated him, he lived in Jersey. He would never be an Upper East Side person. You know, I haven't literally since we ended things, um, haven't followed him on social media, nothing. Like, I know nothing. Okay. Um, And I was about, you know, when you're about to say something and you kind of choke on, like, your words about to come out. I was about to say his name. And then I was like, wait, no. Like you were going to call after him on the street? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were like, you're like as stunned. close as we are right now. Yeah. Right. But like kind of passing yeah. each other. And then my mouth went dry. I was like, but what if he doesn't remember me? Which is like a crazy thought because we dated for, you know, like a short time, but. But long enough significant to not enough. forget. Yeah. Right. So um, I just. I, I went in my apartment and I I don't delete any contacts. Like I just keep them in my phone. Part Same, laziness. But I also want to know who it is when they because they always text again. Well, not always, but not always. When they do, if they do, right. you want to know which one it is because oh, I absolutely. hate when it's like a nine one seven number and I'm like, oh my god, who is that? No, I I I want curious. receipts. Well, <laughs> so. re- yeah, well. See, there you go. That's yeah, so than mine. I was like, I, I need to know because I'm not going to be able to like forget about this. So, um, dug up my old contact list, and there he is. So I texted him. I was like, Hey, I know this is like insanely out of the blue, but were you on you know Blank Street a little while Wait, ago? Wait, Jacqueline, you told a story that. <laughs> What? You told a story last time about how some guy did this to you. Yes. <laughs> in Williams first. <laughs> and we talked about how they were ghosts and like living your, like you're, they're haunting you. Are you haunting him? Okay. So I, the, the irony of this is not lost on me. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> because I mean, you're not I, a creep like that guy was. First of all, you're not like following him on Instagram. 
No, absolutely not. Right. And so it was a moment of self-doubt or else I would have approached him. Damn, good call. (laughs) (laughs) Calling me out. Well, I just want to make sure that this no one thinks that went right over my head because it didn't. I'm jet lagged, but not that jet lagged. You're you're with it. Yeah. I actually forgot about that for one quick second. Yeah. So I've edited that podcast about 45 uh, times. So I that shit's in my brain forever. (laughs) Okay. yeah, I pulled I pulled a move that I complained about in the last episode. Um, So I texted him. I was like, were you on the street a little while ago? I think I just passed you. And I was like, he's not going to fucking answer. Like what? He did. And because <clears throat> he's curious. Uh, Insert my last point. Yes. I remember that from. Yeah, because he's curious. So maybe it's not just about men and women. Maybe it's about like the messenger and the messagee. We'll think about that one. Jacqueline looks very. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a. She's thought provoked. I know. I need a kind of. I'm going to... You haven't listened to that podcast as much as I, I know. have. I know. I got to chew on that for a bit Yeah, later. go back and have that aha moment where you're okay. like, oh my God. Okay. A new layer to the theory. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to think about that one. So he was like, yeah, I actually live in the neighborhood. And I'm like, oh, no way. Like, that's crazy. So do I. Um, uh, I forget. One of us asked, like, where exactly? And I told him my um, street and cross street. And he was like, same. He went, oh my God, same? Yeah, he went, oh my God, same. And I said, oh my God, get the fuck out of here. That's bananas. He, it's all happening on the Upper East Side. He lives... On your block. On my block. Wow. Th- like maybe three buildings down. I pass it multiple times a day. Like ev- like every day. And um, I don't know. Th- how, like, okay, so how many people live in New York City? 8.4 million, Correct. I believe. Yeah, it's like 8.6 million people in New York City. And this happens? So, okay, keep going though. So like, where did the messaging go? It was just like, oh my God, we live on the same block. And then he, it was like, Yeah, it was like, dead. that's, that's Conversation wild. Conversation over. I was like, hope all is well. If you want to catch up over drinks in the neighborhood. Yeah. In the, you know let me know and it was like we'll do and then um literally probably five or six days later I'm walking my dog around the block yeah and I run into him oh so do you actually stop and talk yeah okay so what's his story I mean we didn't really get into anything so he doesn't have a ring on not that I noticed Hmm. um it was just like a it, it actually was pleasant it was like seeing an old friend yeah who I who like someone who like knew me when yeah somebody familiar yeah it was a familiar face it was just like you know small talk yeah what's up with work living situation that type of shit um he like walked me to my door oh that's nice. well i mean we're going the same yeah, way in fairness it, anyway. it was not a romantic thing <laughs> but still. it was like oh you know we're we're walking the same way um and then and then that's it And then I, like, ran into him again, but just sort of, like, gave him a little head nod and was on my way. Like, and I don't, I don't know what to make of this. Um, but I just thought it was very bizarre and one of those things where the universe kind of throws something in your face and I'm always, like, kind of looking for the meaning in things and I have no idea. I think 
my one theory is to kind of teach me or show me how far I've come because when we dated, this was when I first moved to New York, I was very, I was not as confident or self-assured as I am now. Um, I think it just sort of like threw on my face like how much I have grown. But the weird thing is, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, I have, he's always been, he's always popped into my head at random times. Um, And I don't know why. Like usually when I date people and, you know, things don't work out, I don't think about them again unless it's like a funny story or whatever. Right. Um, But it would like kind of, I don't know, every once in a while I would just sort of get a thought or a memory or whatever. And then once I moved to this neighborhood, I had this sense and I thought I was crazy for a while until this happened that I would run into him. Wow. It never made sense. I had it. I had this feeling. That's okay. I don't think you should be. You're not wrong about that. I'll tell like a very small story about how that happened to me once. Um, But I think that maybe he has a relationship. Because if you asked him out for drinks. Oh, he definitely does. Because. Because. Any yes. guy would be like, if they're single, they'd be like, oh, I'll go out and drink with her. Like, at the least, maybe he's like, oh, we can have sex again or something. You know what I mean? Right. And so I think he's got a girlfriend or something. Oh, yeah. So I saw, so there's another, like, almost um, encounter, like, wow, days amazing. later. You've seen him so many times. So many times. That's insane. I think it's one of those things where if you are aware of something or someone yeah. you sort of are because you probably see a- the same people all the time you just don't notice yeah like they're just a stranger yep. yeah that makes sense for sure but yeah i think i saw him going into his building with another girl oh yeah so there's that so that it kind of ex- which i wasn't even saying the drinks thing to like rekindle yeah, it, was it was just like just a natural so, thing to say yeah like we want to catch friendly. up i think that's fine no but i'll t- tell a very very short story so I had a, a mutual friend that I met like five years ago. It was a friend of a friend, guy obviously. And we hung out socially like three or four times, followed each other on Instagram and always like liked each other's photos. And I've since learned that he's like an Instagram whore. He likes everyone's okay. photos. Yep. So now I know because it wasn't, it didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But I, know a few I of them. always think like, oh, I wonder if, I wonder if, and um one day out of the blue he dm'd me and i was like oh my god i can't believe like i manifested this in my head and then three four months later we were dating right it ended up bursting in flames and i was the burnt one but i certainly like i thought about it i willed it and it happened and then you learned 100 lessons why this person isn't the right person for you to begin with but you needed to do it so yeah not to say that'll happen here but I think that, you know, who knows? It could take years. I mean, I'm talking like five years ago this happened to me. So, well, yeah, that I met so, this person. It's so bizarre how someone can kind of have that much of an impact. I think it's strange that you had been thinking about him already. Yeah, because, which is weird. Especially because since you're not on, like, you're not following him on social media. And no. It's not like you had any, like you didn't know what he was up to you had no idea and that like all of a sudden you actually saw someone that you had been thinking about for a while so just put that in your little i mean whatever away and i'm locking it away i don't i don't know what to make of it but that was just like a weird bizarre story and yeah. uh here we are yeah we're moving we're grooving we're dating around you know yeah you're 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 out there 
So um, today's topic is health and mental health. And I think that um, we each have some different notes and stuff we're going to talk about, but I feel like they're very intertwined. I am in therapy currently, but I've only been since the beginning of this year. So I guess like what, like eight, eight months, nine months. Um, And it was something that I put off for so long. I probably should have been in therapy probably like 15 years ago is when I started to feel like I needed to vent or slash like have a neutral party. Um to talk to about some of the things that I've been through in my life with my family. And, um, but since I have been going to therapy, it's been such a game changer. Um, but one thing that I found that was really, um, interesting that I didn't expect, but I guess I didn't know much about therapy when I first started was how everything is intertwined. And how, you know, like I can tell a story about something that happened to me when I was younger or anything like that. And and I can say it out loud and she'll kind of talk to me about what that might mean. And I can actually be like, okay, this happened. And then see how it is still reflective in my current relationships with men or friendships or anything. Um, yeah, so you start to identify patterns. Yes. And it takes a professional to kind of, and they're not going to tell you you know, this, this, and this, or this is what you're doing, you sort of, they kind of like lead you to that conclusion, Mm -hmm. which I think is super helpful. Yeah. I think like the way they ask the questions is why they're a professional and why they're trained at this because it leads, yeah, you're right. It leads you to the connection. A question for you. What would you say to someone that is, was in your position where you were like, I, I need to talk to someone, but I don't know how to. I don't know where to begin. I don't even know if this is something that is that warrants a, a therapist or me seeking help. Like, what would you what would you say to someone in that position? Honestly, I think if you have to ask, you probably should see someone. Um, I was lucky in that I got like I knew some of my friends were seeing a like going to the same place. And yourself included. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should just try it, you know? And it was one of those things where I had an experience last year, about this time last year, and it kind of was like a wake-up call. Like, you've got to deal with this shit. Like, it's festering. It it lives dormant. And then it, like, pops up all the time. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to just go. And I was lucky in that way because I had a place that – I was referred to, which was easy. Um, I had another friend who is very much into like the therapy scene, but the people he was referring me to were like $300 an hour. And I was like, I don't got it like that. Not at least for therapy. Um, I mean, maybe a Sephora, you know, Sephora hall. Sure. But not therapy. Um, Priorities. So anyway, I went to the right place and I was matched with the right person right away, which is really lucky and unheard of. But I think if someone's asking, they should go like that their answer is clear and I would just say like you know when I went in for the first time I'm not somebody that likes to talk about myself that much this whole podcasting thing is new to me like luckily I'm just sitting across from you and like I have very I have no indication yet of how many people are going to ever listen to this so I'll have anxiety about if you're it later. still with us thank you so much <laughs> yeah. this was a rocky one god bless you <laughs> Wow. wow. Props to you. It's probably Claps. our moms. <laughs> I, uh, honestly. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, but I went in like I'm I will always make things a joke. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have no idea how to do this. And I was very much like self-aware and that I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't really like talking about myself. Like, you're going to have to ask me questions. I have no idea what to talk about. I know why I want to be here. I know what prompted me, but I have no idea what to say. And she was really good. And she was like, you know, kind of just pulling it out of me. And then by the second or third um, session, I was like, holy shit, like all this stuff came out. And it's amazing that they, they know how to do that. Like they see your vulnerability and they, they get an idea of why you're there to begin with. And they just like harp on it so that you can have some result, I think. Not that everybody's going to have a result right away, but I think just take the little snippets of feeling like, wow, that made sense. Mm-hmm. I never thought of it like that. Take those as like wins and it'll be the reason why to go back. And I've left therapy feeling really sad before. Um, and that is hard, but it's also part of the process. And I have been going to therapy before work, which I don't necessarily recommend because if you're going through something heavy and then you have to go to work afterwards, like there were days where I would go to work after having a very heavy therapy session and like be so distracted and sad and want to just go home and like be by myself because I'm I'm someone that needs to be isolated so being around a bunch of people at work was really hard for me because I was in this place in my head where I couldn't shut off the work or I couldn't shut off therapy to be at work which I usually can do I'm also somebody that really compartmentalizes um like I'll it distracts me and then the minute I leave I'm like oh my god I'm back to that place like you know it's like the eight hours just were fillers but I would say experiment see as many therapists as you can to find somebody that really um you vibe with and that gets you and you feel like is making the right advice like if you're 18 years old probably seeing like a 60 year old therapist may not make sense um I happen to be seeing somebody that's probably in my age group I don't know exactly how old she is but she has that we have that feeling of like being friends Mm-hmm. And so that's what's nice. It was very comfortable for me right away to open up. I might not have felt like that if it was a 60-year-old man or like a 20-year-old guy. Right. Or a girl. Like I think it's good that they're in my age group. I almost have faith in what they're saying because they remind – she reminds me of me a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think just go. You have to try it. And if you don't like it, you don't go anymore. Figure out what works for you. And it shouldn't be a stressful thing. It should be something like I've always looked forward to my therapy sessions and I've always walked out of there feeling better or that I've learned. I think, well, what's your, what's your experience with therapy? So therapy, I've been going on and off, I would say for the past, or I would say since I was 19, 19 or 20, let's say for about eight years. So there was a period where I was, um, going in college. Uh, and then I kind of took a few years off when I moved to San Francisco. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania briefly and I saw my old therapist for a short time. And then I, I, because years had passed, I sort of recognized that I outgrew her. And, um, that's also something that I had to learn was like, sometimes 
you know, you're not supposed to have the same therapist for 10 or 15 years. Um, they're there for a season or they're for however long it takes you to sort of get back on track. Um, but it's sort of like a relationship where, you know, they're there for a time in your life and they serve you well, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also takes a while to find the right therapist, just like anything. It's just like finding the right job or a relationship. You have to find the right fit. And I think that's super important for people to understand is just because this is a professional doesn't mean like they're going to work for you. So I like you, I probably put it off for way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I probably started going when I was 19 or 20, but um, I'll just get into my own journey because it's Please there's do. some windy roads here, okay. and I think I need to kind of start at the beginning. Okay. So as a, as a kid, I was always, and I never really recognized this until now, <laughs> until being in therapy and seeing those well, patterns. Well, that's what it's there for, Yeah. But I was always an anxious kid. Um, you know, I struggled with with perfectionism. I, you know, in school I needed to get all A's and I was really hard on myself and I was always comparing myself to the other girls, you know, in my class. Um, you know, I was very self-conscious. I was hyper aware of everything that I said or did. Was I cool enough? Was I articulate enough? Um, was I a good enough athlete? All of those things, which I think to an extent everyone goes through when they're a kid yeah but if it's extreme it's like you're in your head too much I was very much yeah, in my especially head especially as a, a young adult it's really hard yes and it's sort of like spilled over into my teens and my now early adulthood like I look back and I'm like wow a lot of these things that I'm still struggling with today it actually started when I was a kid Um, but then it really magnified when I was in my early teens, when I was 14, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and, um, yeah, so, um, it is, I mean, at the time I had no idea what the hell this was at 14. I was like, oh, I'm diagnosed with a disease. I'm just going to take pills and go on with my life. But it wasn't like that. So, um, it's a inflammatory bowel disease, so your it kind of manifests itself in different ways for different people, um, but it's usually typically associated with um, inflammation of your uh, digestive tract, um, bleeding, stomach aches, being in pain, um, being very sick or nauseous, or you know going on. It's very very complicated, and I'll probably talk about this in like a. Okay. a later episode or right. something but it has to deal with your you're basically like dealing with poop and you know like okay. digestion and really really like picture like you're having like the stomach f- flu so like ultra ultra sensitive to all that that's involved yeah yeah and and just magnify that by like and 10. you're 14 that's exactly. So like you don't timing wanna... is not of the essence at that time. No. I was life. like wow. in my awkward phase. I was like, I don't know who I am. Wow. Then I'm diagnosed with this disease. I don't even know what it is or what it's gonna mean for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, I was okay for most of high school. You know, struggled. I was on ton of medications. My life was really just like school, friends, sports, and then, you know, dealing with like the medical side. So getting tests done, going to doctors, 
you know, going in the hospital. It becomes part of your, like, routine. And it really became normalized for me. Like, surprisingly, people are, I mean, humans are very adaptable. And it's amazing how much the body can take and how you sort of normalize things. Right. Um, But college was a turning point for me. Um, I... I'll, I'll kind of, this is a very long story, but I'll kind of breeze over it. So I had to defer my my first semester because I got so sick. I was in the hospital for about three months. Mm-hmm. I got crazy surgeries. Was, I was very, very ill, very ill. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think you just sort of enter into survival mode at that point. And... You know, you just do what you got to do to survive. And that's yeah, what I did. The physical takes over the mental. And 100%. You don't have time to worry about how you feel. It's a, it's yeah. amazing how your body just sort of goes into autopilot mm-hmm. and it knows what to do in order to survive. So I was probably building up all of this trauma in my mind, but I just wasn't, I could not process it because yeah. I just had to focus on breathing and living another day. Yeah. Honestly, that's what it was. Wow. So... All through college, I really had a really hard time. I was it was school and it was going in like being hospitalized, getting surgeries, bouncing back from those surgeries and those hospitalizations, going back into class. I was in a really rigorous program where um, we didn't sleep. We would pull all nighters. It was very competitive. And so by my senior year, I was exhausted. I was probably operating at like 30% capacity. Wow. And so I was just so worn out. And there is, there is, and I just sort of like always power through. That was my MO. Power through, power through, get through the next thing. Compartmentalize. You know, comp- I totally compartmentalize. I learned that word at, the, at therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. It was just a coping mechanism. Yeah, Absolutely. So I remember my, so my senior year, I decided to live at home to save money. Um, and there was a really, uh, what is that fucking word? Poignant? Poignant. Poignant moment. That's a big word for this podcast. Yeah. Wow. I pulled that out of my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love, I love an ass joke. As we're talking about, I know, you know. It's like digestive problems, ass joke goes together. It's good. It works. Listen, if you can't make fun of yourself, I mean, Absolutely. that's how I kind of get through all of this is just humor. But anyway, I I obviously was very in touch with like, oh, maybe I wasn't. I don't mental health, but there was a moment when I realized that depression is not just like sadness or being bummed out. It was you know, it's a real thing. And it was probably for me, it was a little, it was situational. It was sort of, um, spurred on because of all of my health problems and then, you know, college craziness and all of that. But I probably spent about two months being like hopeless, mm-hmm. sobbing every day. I remember I had a little studio set up in my basement and I was like working all night. Um, I was I couldn't get myself to like do work. And then I was like beating myself up because I couldn't get the work done that other students were doing. And then I was like trying to recover from all of my treatments and all of this. And so I just, I was just out of 
zapped out of energy and i was just i was crying i was sobbing helpless at this point helpless going right i was helpless i was hopeless and i was like what's wrong with me i was mad at myself and i didn't get it and then my parents i had my parents all worried like really worried um i didn't want to like get up and start the day i was like sleeping you know and i just it was out of control and like they didn't know what to do. I I was going, I think I was going to therapy at this point, but no one really said like, you're depressed, mm. you know, which was like shocking to me, but I was on antidepressants. What really spurred this- How do this, they give you antidepressants if they don't clinically diagnose you with depression? Well, they sort of Is said that just like, like the candy they give out at therapy sometimes? Like, oh. So it was given sad. to me by my primary doctor. Okay. Um, and it was like, listen, this is a short t- term thing. You're going through a lot, you know, this will kind of help you. And it really did. Okay. This actually, this like two month period of like being legit hopeless was because I was combining my antidepressants with birth control, which I was using to control my cystic acne. Oh, that interaction. Another layer. Right. Yeah. So I, once I went off that birth control, like sort of that I've, honestly felt like a fog it wasn't all of my problems just lifted but it was I was like in the I don't know how else to describe it I was like a walking zombie Mm -hmm. and I knew this wasn't this is not me um and it really didn't lift until like years later so I managed to graduate college I moved to San Francisco I was um, probably depressed at that point. What made you want to move to San Francisco in that state? Or, I mean, I'm sure you, at that point you were a little bit better because you had like a little less stress on you. But like that's another layer of stress. Like what made you want to move to San Francisco in the middle of this whole thing? Great question. <laughs> Thank you. I mean. Call me Oprah. Oprah. You know. <laughs> you know Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. I love Oprah. Um, we should play the Oprah. Yeah. 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 Is that how it goes? We're like the old school over. I don't know. Something like that. So good. Okay. What did you ask me? I would like to know, um, in the midst of all this, like, well, you moved to San Francisco. Yes. In the middle of this, like, what made you have the balls to do that when you were like so lost in yourself? I, when I have something in my head, I have to do it. Okay. Like if I want to do something, no one is going to stop me. I am, I don't know. I just go after what I want and I've always been like that. And I've always done things that are different from like the usual path that people go down. Um, And that's something that I never knew I was doing that, but it's something that I kind of like appreciate about myself that I really like, um, I just do it. Yeah, I think I I have that too. And at least I did. I feel like the last few years I've played it very safe. But when I was that age, I was like, fuck it. Like, when else am I going to do this? Right. I think true. Being naive too is kind of an advantage. Like, if I were to make that choice today, right now, being a little bit older and having more experience, I probably wouldn't because I moved out there knowing not a single soul. And I was broke. I had no work experience aside from internships. But I was just like, I need to do this. I don't know. I think it. I was something 
in me that I was like, I need to do this for myself because I felt like I was doing things for, you know, other people or I had obligations. And so I just wanted to do something that I could own. And I don't regret that, but it was also really hard. And I think that exacerbated some um, anxiety and depression and loneliness. I think that was really the key thing that I felt is just being lonely. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I think I always had this feeling and I it wasn't really until this year that I got over this. And I don't know if you have a similar experience, but I felt like my problems weren't bad enough to warrant me to go to therapy I was like why am I doing this why am I paying to be here like there's other people that are worse off than me like are my problems serious enough I think that I guess I had that same thought but in a different context that like I could figure it out okay I feel like I'm very self-aware and I do have good friends around me but Um, so for that reason, I think I just didn't go because I was like, oh, this will all work out. Like, this is not something I need to talk to a therapist about. Like, I guess to your point, like people have bigger problems, like that's what therapy's for. Yeah. And I, it took me years of being in therapy and going through all this to recognize like, it doesn't matter how big or small it matters to you. If you are, if you, you need to talk about it and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, peace a sense of peace that comes with someone validating your feelings or saying no what you're feeling is totally normal and like let's work through it together and I think also a lot of people like yes it's important to have great friends and a great support system that you can talk to but you know I think you don't want to burden people with this sort of thing or you know certain issues and you just really want a completely neutral take on it and someone who is there for you for 45 minutes or an hour and I think it's just like anything it's just like exercise it's it's like um it's a practice yeah and you get it's kind of weird to say but you get better at it the more that you do it and you can you know see those patterns you can connect all of the dots in your life with someone guiding you through it um, and I would say in in the last year, last three years for me, um, my mental health issues have definitely been much more manageable. I mean, I came back to New York. I'm closer to my family. I have a really good support system. I've been going to therapy, con- therapy consistently. Um, and I can kind of catch myself when I'm about to kind of go into a dark place and I have the tools now to sort of like sit in it and say, oh wait, no, I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to do something that, you know, will kind of reset, hit the reset button. Yeah. Cause you live through things and you know what will work for you, whether that be like go to therapy one more time that week or like for me, I always found a lot of solace with exercise and, um, you know, I really, it's one of those things where like, I'm like everybody else where like, I'd really hate to go to the gym but I feel so much better afterwards. Yeah, I just think it's really soothing and it's like a therapy moment for me to just like run. I'm a, like, I have my music like all the way up on full volume. I listen to music that has like impactful lyrics and like a great beat and, you know, all the Beyonce in the world, like Ariana, all the like 
you know, pop music that's like all about like, you know, fuck that guy, you go girl. It's all on the playlist. And that's like how I feel better about things. Like it's like I work shit out Mm -hmm. there. And it's really important for me. I was actually just on my last trip and I went like four or five days without working out. And I am somebody that I make myself go to the gym on these trips. It's really hard, but I do it anyway. And I went to the gym. It was like my last day there. And I forced myself to go when the last thing you want to do. I've been traveling for like two and a half weeks. And I went to the gym for 20 minutes and ran on the treadmill. And I felt like a different person. And it just goes to show that like you really need those endorphins. And especially if you can just like lose yourself for 20 minutes it's so important for you to like shut your brain off into something else because all you do all day is be inside your head, think about everything. And I'm one of those people that I am always in my head. We're going to talk about the Enneagram on a different episode, but I won't tell you what I am yet, but I am in my head all the time. I'm always thinking about like, what's my surroundings? Where am I? How does this make me feel? And so um, anyway, that's, that's like my non-therapist therapy because it's so important to like have an outlet and whatever those tools are that you learn along the way whatever works works like yeah it doesn't matter what it is it's trial and error too as long as it's not hurtful to other people right let's put that out there right taking your anger out on somebody else is not the option or the solution no yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of um healthy practices that i've come across in all of these years and I think what it comes down to is um taking just self-care and um not feeling bad about it because I think there's a notion of you know don't stop keep climbing keep moving um don't sleep you know keep putting the hours in and then all of a sudden you're just you know you're exhausted beyond and um you know, you're losing your hair or you have bags under your eyes and you can't put one foot in front of the other. And so I think exercise for me, for sure, 100%. I mean, I wish I was the type of person who was addicted to exercise and like loved going to the gym, but there are more times than not, like I sort of drag myself, but I always feel better after, like monumentally better. Um, and I think there's also like little self-care practices, whether it's like, you know, I work in an office all day and I'm sitting at a desk and I make it a point to get up and go for a walk outside. That's really good because I, I mean, I stand outside on the sweet green line every day, but that's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you sure do. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a matter of finding what, what works for you and what gives you energy. So sometimes self-care for me might be going, be, going out and socializing and have a couple of drinks and loosening up. Other times I know that alcohol is going to kind of send me into an anxiety spiral and I'm not going to feel good the next day. Mm-hmm. So it might just be, you know, um, having a night by myself, watching a movie, whatever. So I, I kind of now at this point identify the times where I need to connect with people and socialize or I need to take a moment for myself and re-energize. Yeah, I think that's smart too because we are talking just about like going, going, going. And you can get like FOMO really bad if you 
are constantly saying yes to everything. So I think it's really smart. And I think it comes with age. I learned this like probably in my mid to late 20s too, where it's like, I think that it's healthy to stay at home and not feel like you're missing out on anything because you're really not. I mean, unless it's some big event, like if you're at a, if it's a night at the bar with your friends, all the same people you've hung out with last week, like it's going to be the same scene and you can go the next week. Right. Um, same conversations, yeah, same complaints, exactly. same. So you just take care of yourself. And I think knowing the difference is something that really just comes with age and experience because the more you burn the candle at both ends, like that's not good for your health or your mental health. You will feel exhausted and someday your body will tell you to stop. Like I think I'm in that mode right now where like my body is literally physically telling me you have to stop. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, you're running forward, but your body is like pulling you back. Yeah. And Um, I'm somebody that needs to be um, a little bit more isolated and alone sometimes. Like that's me re-energizing my batteries And so if I don't make myself do that, I will have a reaction like I'm having right now, you know, like where my body is just like, like, fuck you, stop. You are no longer able to pass go. I'll just keep going. (laughs) The vacuum is back. Yeah. Maybe it's like our sound effect. (laughs) Yeah. We're cleaning up the the remnants of our past lives. lives. Suck them up. Suck it up. Suck up all the dirt. Yeah. I need that. I need a just a life vacuum. Vacuum. Suck it all up. Dump yeah. it. Wish we could do that with our ex-boyfriends. Seriously, just suck them all up. One thing I always note is that like I, in the weight room, you always see like, you know, we're talking about how we go to the gym for like our mental health and how we're so in tune with our body. And these fucking douchebags are in the gym scrolling through God knows what and they're sitting there doing nothing and I'm working hard I'm sweating I'm lifting weights and these guys are sitting next to me on machines and they're just sitting there texting and I get that like you're supposed to take a break between sets and all of that but like yeah but not a texting break not a full 10 minutes I tell you a couple weeks ago before I left for my trip I was at the gym there was a guy I did like a 25-minute weight workout. There was a guy sitting at one of the machines, didn't move the whole time. He sat at the machine on his phone. And I'm thinking to myself, don't you have anything better to do? Like, are you at the, you're not at the gym to like pick up girls because you're not even, you haven't even looked up. Right. And not only that, but like text at home. Why are you sitting around the gym texting? I don't get it. My my ex-boyfriend told me once that guys do that to get away from their girlfriends. Oh. (laughs) So add that layer. Like, they're not there to have a beautiful, cathartic experience like we are. They're there to just, like, get away from the women in their life. Yeah, I don't know. Gym etiquette, I think, is, like, a a segment. But, But yeah, I was... I was... I've been trying to... Speaking... This is all related, but I've been getting into yoga recently, which I've ne- I've always kind of been, oh, that's not for me. Like, I like cardio. I like high impact, whatever. But I've actually been really enjoying it. But what I didn't anticipate is, like, the real yogis that, like, breathe so deeply. And you're like, are you having an orgasm? Because I don't know what's happening. It's making me you're uncomfortable. Like, well, that or like, show me what you're doing so I can do yeah, what I do. Yeah. 
Like, if you're having orgasms at yoga, like, teach me, please. Like, they're in some other state of euphoria, and I'm twisting my fucking body into, like, yeah, a you're pretzel. Like falling over sideways. I, literally, I'm falling over, and this person is, like, having some spiritual release. I need to take yoga more often. <laughs> I don't know. There was this, this man in my class this week, and he was, like, he was doing headstands and all this shit, but he was breathing like, <gasps> I can't even well, do it on the mic because it's going to be obnoxious. That, but like, that is a lot. That's a legit. It was like he was releasing demons from his fucking <laughs> stomach. I don't think that was what the instructor said to do, sir. <laughs> no, she just said to breathe in, breathe out. And yeah. he is releasing childhood trauma onto oh my the. my God yoga mat i'm like i don't need this well maybe that's his mental maybe maybe issue maybe that's his therapy true thou so shall just... not judge Jacqueline. <laughs> no but that's a lot and and you know what maybe i should go to yoga with you sometime and see what the orgasms are about. <laughs> <laughs> all i'm saying is that i don't have that experience but maybe i need to practice maybe more you're doing it wrong <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I do a lot of things wrong. No, I just think if you're new to yoga, you Maybe. might not know the tricks. Could you imagine though? Like, no. In a I used to do or- yoga all the time. I've never had an orgasm during yoga. So I don't know what that's about either. Nor was I ever like a heavy breather. All right, guys. So that is our episode today. Um, next week, you can stay tuned for. Um, relationship breakups how to deal how to uh get through all right that really loud okay get that uh slide into the dms gotta go bye